All right, we're continuing with our series on worship this morning. We're going to look in John chapter 4, where Jesus is having this discussion with this woman at the well, this Samaritan woman. And in the middle of this is a great story that has all different sorts of ways you could go in terms of sermons. But I think it's really interesting that in the middle of this conversation that Jesus is having with this woman, there within it is this conversation about worship. Right, All this other stuff is happening. Jesus is revealing himself to her. He's telling her about her life and where she's at and how she's had uh, five different husbands and all these things. And right in the middle of it, they talk about worship. And this is what it says, starting in John chapter 4, verse 20. This This is the woman, the Samaritan woman speaking to Jesus. She says, so tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped. Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. Verse 23, But, but, The time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. So what happens right off the bat with this woman as she is approaching Jesus with this question is she, is she is classifying two groups of people. She's saying, all right, why is it that you Jews insist that you must worship at Jerusalem and there only, and we Samaritans say we must worship on this mountain over here? She's, she's dividing the people, right? Saying, we, y'all believe this over here, and we believe this over here, right? So there's clearly this argument going on over worship. Ben mentioned that a few weeks ago when he preached, talking about arguing over worship, which is hilarious, right? Um, That's what we do with it. But that's what she's saying. There's this argument going on in worship between Jews and Samaritans. And Jesus flips the whole narrative on its head. He says, check this out. There's going to be a time, actually that time is right now where it's not even going to matter. That entire argument that these two people groups have been arguing over for hundreds of years, it doesn't even matter anymore. It is totally moot. And he says, true worshipers, True worshipers won't be so occupied with worshiping at a place. It'll be in how they worship. And he says that God is looking for those, those who will worship in spirit and in truth. Those. Saying he's not looking for Jews who will worship in spirit and in truth, or he's not looking for Samaritans who will worship in spirit and truth, or for Greeks or Gentiles or Hebrews or Middle Easterns or Americans or, dare I say, Republicans and Democrats, right? He's looking for those. In other words, anyone who worships in spirit and truth. Anyone. It's those people. And he said, I will call those people the true worshipers. And, and I believe, y'all, we are in, in a time right now. We've seen it everywhere. God is doing this work in the capital C church of, of purging out the church, searching for those. 
He's searching for those. Not this, not that, but those. Those true worshipers who will not just worship in spirit or not just worship in truth, but will worship in spirit and in truth. And what we're going to see here this morning is that spirit and truth are not exclusive things. They are inclusive and they work together in worship and they fuel worship, but it only happens when we combine the two, not when we separate the two. In other words, when we come into church and we want all the feelings and the tinglies and all those things because we've been going through something and we want the songs that, that serve us, right? We want that emotional side of things absent of the truth. Or we approach worship as only the truth and we don't, we don't need the music, we don't need uh, all the melodies and all those things. All we need is the truth on the screen and we will just say it out loud without the emotion. Now God says, I want both of those things. I want the emotion and I want the truth. And as we understand the truth, it leads to the emotion, right? And that is true worship. That is what God is after. The truth is this, as, as Jesus is with this woman at the well, the truth is Samaritans, you know, they only believe the first five books of the Bible. And all the, others, all the other parts of the Bible are like, no, we're good. So they were selective in what they believed. They were selective in their truth. And what Jesus is saying here in worshiping in spirit and the truth is, no, 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 you worship all the truth. You worship it all. If, you've, if you're new to Beaches Chapel or just in case you don't know, we, we do everything here based on the word of God. If you've been through our members' classes, we, we talk about it in there, but we believe in the inerrant and the sufficient word of God, meaning the inerrant word of God, it is, it is God's word, but also it is sufficient, meaning it is enough. We don't need to add to it. We don't need to take away from it. It is beautiful for every situation, all right? And that is the word of God. We can't just preach on one thing and pretend the next verse doesn't exist. It's all there. It is all the Lord's and it is all holy and worthy of our worship. John 14 verse 6 says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I am the truth. Not I am a truth or I am the truth. It's it. I am the truth. Back up to John 1. In the beginning was the word and the word, what? Anyone? What's that? I should have just said it. Thank you. In the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was, and the word was with God and the word was God. And then verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was the truth personified. He was truth. And the, and the message of Jesus is unbelievable. But before we get to that, let's talk about the Spirit. Matthew 15, starting in verse 7. This is Jesus talking. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So we have Jesus as the truth, right? Personified, I am it, I am the only truth, so you need to accept me, but, but listen, it's more than that. Don't just acknowledge me with your lips. Feel me in your heart. I want that emotion too. If we, if we go back to the story in John chapter four, Jesus says the Jews, we, we know all about him, right? We know all about it. 
but there was something missing. They knew with their minds, but they didn't experience it in their heart. And even, even more so when, listen, when Jesus came on the scene, he wasn't there to fix religion. He was there to fix a relationship. And when he, when he says to his people, listen, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, you know, come to me, right? He says, take my yoke. He's literally telling them, you're like beasts of burden. You're like the oxen in the field. And the plow that, that you are pulling isn't against the Romans. It's religion. Religion has worn on you. And, what, and the reason that that has happened is because, check this out, y'all. Those that are in charge have taken the truth. And rather than believing all of the truth, they've taken parts of it. And they've made it self-serving. And when we take the truth, when we take this word of God right here, and we just take parts of it, so I'm going I'm to believe this, and I'm not going to believe that. I'm going to do this over here, and I'm not going to do that. It becomes serving us. And it becomes perverted. And it becomes a burden. When the, when the reality is, truth, all of it, sets us free. But the second that we take just a little bit of it, it becomes a burden. And it becomes self-serving. It becomes, we, we become God in our own lives. We actually start worshiping ourselves. Because this God I'm not so sure about. I don't like that. This doesn't, eh. And it becomes all about me. And that's what the leaders of the church did then. They took God's law and they made it self-serving and it became a burden to the people. And they were worn down, broken, and beaten and exhausted, not by the Romans, but by their own church. And so as Jesus appears on the scene, and that's why he tells this woman at the well, listen, it's happening right now because what he is doing is he is introducing relationship with him. Something that couldn't exist before is now on the scene. Enter spirit and truth. Jesus, all of it. This is not enough to just acknowledge me with your lips. You can do that all day. I want your heart. I want all of it. John chapter 8, verse 32, Jesus says this, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth. You will know it. You will know it. Not... Lean in for this one, y'all. Not, you will feel it. Real quick, show of hands. Anyone in here ever come in on a Sunday morning? We're going to be real honest. It's okay. And you just thought, I just really don't feel like worshiping right now. I've had a week, right? Some of us, all right. I don't believe the ones that didn't raise their hands, but it's all right. Listen, I was a worship pastor here, yeah, right, for seven years, all the time. I wish I would say, this is the day that the Lord has made our rejoice, hallelujah. More it was like just saying it over, this is the day the Lord, this is the day, you know, trying to get myself right for it. Because life is hard. And there are times that we just don't feel like it. We don't feel the truth of the, of, of the Bible, of the word of God in our lives. We're waiting to feel it. But Jesus doesn't say for us to feel the truth. He says to know the truth so that when we don't feel it, we can speak it over us anyway because we know it. I would love to say what we know and what we feel always line up, but they don't. They don't. 
But the truth is the truth is the truth is the truth. And thank God it does not depend on how we feel. That's why we have to know it. So that we can say, this is how I feel, but this is what I know. So God, I might not feel like worshiping you in this moment, but I know that you are still God. And I know that what you say over me is true. So therefore, I will worship you. And then as we do that, that truth does exactly what Jesus just said. It sets us free. And then what happens? Our spirit and our heart is awakened and we're free to worship him. Works together. But we have to know the truth. Second Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 13. This is awesome. This is Paul writing. He says, We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory even though it was destined to fade away. It was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the Old Covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. Now let's just follow here what Paul is saying. Listen to this. In verse 14, their minds were hardened so they cannot understand the truth. But he's talking about the old covenant. Their minds were hardened. What they knew, they couldn't understand. And this veil, it continues on, can be removed only by believing in Jesus. So the first, verse 14, the first part of the verse, it's talking about the old covenant, and they can't understand, their minds are hardened, and they can't understand it. Because it's the old covenant. It's all about the law, right? And, and having to measure up and they can't do it. So their minds are hardened. But this is the only way that that can be fixed is what? By belief. By believing in Jesus. Well, listen, y'all. Believing is not a mind issue. It is a heart issue. And so all of a sudden there's this, there's this transfer. Their minds are hardened. The only way to fix that is to what? Believe in your heart. So the, the heart softens the mind in what we know. It goes on. The Bible's so cool. Verse 15, yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts, now it's hearts, now, not then, but now, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. Well, why isn't it their mind? Because the narrative has changed. Because now Jesus has come and gone. There's a Savior. So it's not about if their minds can figure it out. It's about if their heart can believe. You see how that's changed? The old covenant was then, but now there is a new covenant. But they're still looking to the old covenant, but it's not a mind issue anymore. It's a heart issue. Are y'all following along with me here? All right. Verse 16, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Okay? So we see this transfer, but this is what is so cool. Jesus says earlier, you will know the truth. You will know the truth, and the truth will do what? Set you free. But here it says that the spirit of the Lord is, and there is freedom. So it's about the mind, and it's about the heart. They both bring freedom, especially when they work together. Y'all get that? Is that not amazing? I was reading, I was like, man, Jesus, you're awesome. <clears throat> I am not that smart. <clears throat> When we receive Jesus, when we receive Jesus and we let him into our heart, the truth isn't scary anymore. The truth now becomes love. I think there's times when we're scared of the truth. 
I believe the world is scared to death of the truth. So they're constantly trying to redefine it over and over and over again. And they're looking for freedom in their own truths. They're not finding it. And you know whose job it is to tell them about the truth? Ours. And we don't do that with judgment, with harsh words. It comes through love and prayer and having things like a fall festival. Romans 8, starting in verse 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God works everything. This is the truth, y'all. God works everything. Everyone say everything. 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 You know what everything means here in this verse? It means everything. It's not everything with an asterisk next to it. He works everything for the good, for the good of those who love him. That is the truth. That is truth. And that will set you free. Because I know that there are some of us in here who have, who have lived it. And there are things you say, there's, not, there's possibly, there's no way that God could use that for my good. The, the things that I just did myself this past week, yes, Everything. The way that I grew up, the way my marriage is, the way my finances are, the way my health is. Yes, everything, everything God will use to the good of those who love him. You're not disqualified. You are not disqualified. So stop feeling a truth that is a lie. And know the truth. Stand on what God says and lift your hands in worship. And be set free. Everything. Paul says in in going back a chapter in Romans 7, starting in verse 21, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Preach. (laughs) Verse 22, I love God's law with all my heart. I love the truth with my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Hmm, a slave, right? The slave is what? In prison, is not free. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Verse 25, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, the truth, our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind... I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. And then in, verse, in chapter 8, verse 1, he turns this corner. So now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Mind, spirit, truth, spirit. Y'all, it is everywhere in the word and it works together i'm a slave to sin i'm i am captured by sin but knowing jesus who is the truth and the spirit of god sets us free they are one and the same the truth says that you are more than a conqueror truth says that 
God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You are never alone. Truth says that the Lord is quick and just and faithful to forgive us. He says that he has separated our sins as far as the east is from the west. He says that he loves you. Truth says that I'm going to die for you. I'm going to hang on a cross. I'm going to die for you because I love you. It says that we are pressed, but not crushed. Persecuted, yes, but not abandoned. Struck down, for sure, but we are not destroyed. Bible, we, said, we talked about it last week. The Bible doesn't talk about us struggling in life in the fine print. It's right there. It's right there. But yeah, we might be pressed, but we're not crushed. We might be persecuted, but we're not abandoned. Struck down, yeah, but we are not destroyed. We are God's children. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. That is the truth. That's what we know. That is what is written right here. And the words don't change just because we feel a different way. So if you've Listen, I'll be real honest with y'all. There are some of us in here this morning that God has forgiven you and you cannot forgive yourself. You need to let it go. Everything. 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 He works for the good of those who love him. Stop destroying yourself. Paul said to himself, there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Stop condemning yourself when God said that the gate, the, the, the door to your cell is open. Walk through it. You're not a slave anymore. You are free. Stop shutting the door back on yourself. You have been forgiven. You are loved. You were bought with a high price, my one and only son. And I'm telling you right now, his blood covers you. So receive it. Receive the truth. And be set free so that you can worship me in your spirit. But y'all, you got to do it. You got to believe it yourself. Remember, it's when you believe, when you turn to the Lord, then your mind, right? Then your mind will be softened and not be hardened. Do, as, as we sit here this morning, do you believe it? Yes. Believe it for yourself. Stop imprisoning yourself. And understand that the Lord does not lie. You are not the exception. And when he says everything, he means everything. He means everything. We're going to close and worship this morning and have the band come back up. James chapter 1, verse 18 says this. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. You are his prized possession. 
Does your life reflect that to you? Maybe not. But it doesn't change the truth of how he feels about you. Does your current situation make you feel like God's prized possession? Maybe not. The report from the doctor, maybe not. The addiction that you continue to struggle with, oh, I want to do what's right, Lord. I keep falling. You are his prized possession. Maybe you've said no to him your whole life. You've heard this before. You are his prized possession. He loves you so, so much. And there may be things that you need to say sorry to, repent for, ask forgiveness for. But in no way, shape, or form are those things meant to embarrass you, cause you shame, or guilt by going to the Lord and saying, I'm laying it at your feet, God. Here's what I've done. I'm confessing this. Forgive me. That is him setting you free. He's not looking to stand on your neck while you're down. He wants to set you free. But the longer that we hold on to those things, the longer that we try to keep them hidden in our heart, the longer we imprison ourselves truth will set us free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, I believe He is here. This is His home. There is freedom. There is freedom to let go of those things. He's not the one holding us back. He's not the one. It's on us. It's time for some of us this morning to be set free. To stop beating yourselves up. That's the enemy. That's what he loves to do. Tempt us, tempt us, tempt us. We give in to temptation. Then he tells us how terrible we are for doing the thing that he's been tempting us over. The Lord wants to forgive you and set you free this morning. So whether you came in this morning feeling like it or not, I pray right now that you know the truth and you're able to worship as we close this morning in spirit and in truth. Let's stand. Father, I thank you, Jesus, that your word is true and that you have given us your word to stand on, to lean on, to build our life on in the good days and the bad, that we can read, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. And we can know that and we can know that and we can know that to be true for us. And God, for all of us in here who are walking through our own valley of the shadow of death, Lord, I pray right now that we would all be reminded that you are with us and you're never going to leave us. God, for those of us this morning who came in feeling all sorts of terrible, maybe beating ourselves up, praying that no one find out about, quote, who we really are. God, that we just cast that thought out in Jesus' name. Because who we really are are sons and daughters of a God who paid for us through the blood of his own son. And we are valued. We are prized possessions. So God, if there's anything that we need to get rid of this morning, if there's anything that we need to repent of, God, I pray right now, Jesus, that we would do it. That we would believe that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And God, for those of us this morning who have never received you, 
as your Lord and Savior, God, that we would do so right now. That we would just take a moment as we enter back into worship and say, Lord, I believe. I believe. Your word says that when we turn to you, God, there's no formula, there's no recipe. Just simply when we turn to you and say, we believe that we're set free. So if that's anyone in here, that's anyone that's watching online, now's your moment to be set free, to be a new creation. All the old is gone. The things that you did this morning and yesterday and the day before that you've been beating yourselves up over, it's gone as we turn to the Lord and he makes us brand new. That is the truth. Lord, we love you. And God, we just repent right now if we in any way, shape, or form as a church here at Beaches Chapel have perverted what worship is, if we've, if we've made it about ourselves, if we've made it an idol, God, if we've, whatever, Jesus. Forgive us, Lord, and teach us as a church every time we gather what it truly means to worship in spirit and in truth, to lift you up, to exalt you, Father, and to be set free in it. But Lord, that's our heart. Our heart is to worship and exalt you and you alone in everything that you represent. You are truth, Father. And so we give you all the glory. As we sang earlier, Father, we do exalt you, Lord. You are a wonderful and a great God. So let's worship him in the way he deserves.